Thought. Tell me what you saw. It was a good game. Uh, I was looking at it uh, off and on, off and on a bit. I did see where uh, they started out. Um, they started out pretty rough, which was weird because Minnesota struggled uh, on the road for a minute now, um, and for them to come out the way that that they did, I thought when I thought when uh, when Jaden Ivy missed that dunk. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Purdue was in trouble, honestly. Right. I feel you. I feel sure, you. Sure. Um, I don't think you know me. Um, but my name is my name is Ant Wright. Uh I played under Beeline at Michigan from oh six to two thousand ten. So I left like right before you got there. I think you got there like okay. Well, like thirteen or fourteen or something. I got there at twelve. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, right. okay. How was okay. that? How was playing in Michigan? I know we talk about. I'm just, you know, we, I know we talk about Minnesota, but I'm just curious. How was that? How was playing for Beeline? It was pretty dope, man. Um, he changed so much over the years, man. He changed so much. So, like the Michigan that you saw, like they had moved to more like pro concepts. When I was there, we did more like the West Virginia, like mm-hmm. crazy, crazy playbook and all that stuff. But um, I hated playing y'all though. I yeah, hated we... playing Purdue, bro. <laughs> why did you? Why did you not like playing Purdue? Just because? Um, I mean, now because I'm just curious. What was it like coming into Mackey, like a game tonight from Minnesota? What was that like? Well, Mackey's tough. Mackey's tough. Um, and of course, we we had fans back then, <laughs> you know. Right. Um, right. But, um, but, but Mackey's tough. Mackey's a tough arena. Um, and back then, it was, it was a lot like how Minnesota kind of was, where the floor was a bit elevated, and then where we sat, it was like three feet lower. Um, yeah, yep, Back yep, then, right? Yep, I, I don't know that. when they changed that. That but, changed that in the renovation, 2000. That was the year I came. 2012 was when it was finished. Robbie's here. Because year. Robbie's last I think, year. I think y'all flipped everything, right? Yep, yep. Yeah, y'all flipped everything. Yeah, man, I hated playing y'all, man. Y'all was so um, – y'all got after it defensively like crazy, bro. Like, um, you know, like I had a matchup against uh, – who was there? Like uh, Robbie Hummel and all those yep. guys. yep. Um, I mean, just defensively, man, y'all just so, y'all just so, like, just so long and aggressive. And then it felt like, it felt like over the past couple of years, uh, defense wasn't really a, wasn't really a staple, but I think it was because I was looking at it from TV, right? But then I went to watch Michigan State Purdue, uh, about three weeks ago. Um, in person, and I was getting like PTSD. I'm like, they doing the same <laughs> shit. <laughs> like I was like, ain't nothing changed, bro. Ain't nothing changed. And they got a young squad out there right now yeah. that is that is that's gonna be scary in about a year or two. Nice, nice. What's what's going on, Jacob? I uh, see we got two Jacobs, Jason. Um, Jacob, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? 
I'm doing well. We're just checking in after the game, man. Just trying to see what you – did you watch the game tonight? Yes, sir. What are you thinking? What are you feeling after the game? I know you saw Brandon's performance, Jaden Spark, the change at halftime, putting Isaiah in the starting lineup, um, Eric's def- defense. What's some of the things that stuck out to you tonight? I just love Mason's hustle. I, he's my favorite player. Got you. I like that. What about what about Mason turn him into your favorite guy, him being a freshman? He's just always the first one on the floor, mm-hmm. always hustling no matter what. Just the true boilermaker. No, that makes sense. Because for me tonight, tonight we start out slow, but I was telling my buddies, I was watching the game tonight with two of my friends back home in Fort Wayne, and I told them, I mean, we're a second-half team right now. We're young. We don't really start the game well. But once those guys get going the second half, they realize how hard they have to play in the first four minutes. That's that's one thing that our, our juniors realize, I think, is that they've been in those games. They've been in the Sweet 16. They've been in Elite Eight. They know what those four, first four minutes of the second half means. So every game, they come out and they fight those first four minutes. And normally who win those minutes wins the game. So, no, I mean – any what's going on, Greg? I'm invite, I'm trying to invite everybody in. What's going on, Austin, Alex, Matthew? Any if, we, if you join in, be feel free to speak up. Definitely want to hear everybody's opinion. Definitely want to hear where everybody feels about the game. If anyone has anything they want to say, anyone got any opinion on the young team where they think we're going from here? Right, so I want to know what your take is, and Ant, free, free, feel free to chime in on this too. What your take is on Marcus Carr? Um, I, 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 he was he was so good for like the first month of the season, but it kind of feels like um, teams have figured him out a little bit. Um, I don't know if it's just a confidence thing, throwing two guys at him, whatever it is. I'm curious your take on him, though. Me, this is my this is my first full game I watched him, but I've said from the beginning of the season that Eric is one of the better perimeter defenders in the conference. He does a lot of things that kind of reminds me of myself. So, and he's quicker than me. So, I think Eric just Eric's long. He's like sneaky long. I think that gave him some problems. But I don't, um, I don't know. And maybe you could speak to kind of what you've seen with Marcus Carr. I mean, with Marcus Carr, I just feel like he's so, um, he's very, he's very, he's he's very inconsistent, and he can't do that on a team like Minnesota with a coach like Patino who needs him to like do his thing every time. Um, in my opinion, Patino, like no disrespect, but I mean, I think he's like a bottom five coach in the league. So he's going to need his talent. He's going to need his talent to do talented things. And when he's not doing his thing and when he's not being a dynamic player, um, that's when I feel Minnesota gets in trouble. And that's how why they struggle on the road so much because he needs to go out there and do his thing because he's not surrounded by, by pros right now. He's not surrounded by Amir Coffee. You know what I mean? He's not surrounded by Oturu this year. You know what I mean? So it's a little bit different. It's a little bit different. I like how you were like, no disrespect, but this dude sucks. <laughs> <laughs> what's going on, Rob? Yo, what's up? Hey, Rob, did you were you able to watch some of the game? I know you're a busy dude. I had a lot. I was watching. Um, I was doing some other stuff. But, no, uh, 
Man, Brandon Newman has come a long way. I'm really proud of him because I saw him play a lot at Vopel High School, and I, I know how much work he's put in. And he played great tonight, man. He, he was, he's really becoming a, a really good Big Ten player, so I'm, I'm really proud of him for that. Man, I was just talking about you with uh, Raphael, man. I used to hate guarding you, dude. <laughs> no, we had, we had some battles, man. We 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 uh we we go way back. I hear you. So it was uh it was man. fun. It was fun playing against you in college. Nah, that's a sub. That's a sub for this team. For them to be so young, Rob. I was just trying to talk a little bit about starting the games and young guys not being hooked up to start the games, but also the veterans on the team. They know how important the first four minutes of the second half is. Is this something? Can can you speak to that a little bit, Rob? Well, first of all, you sound like Matt Painter being hooked up. <laughs> I've heard that one before. You guys weren't hooked up to play. <laughs> that's, that's a Matt Painter as if I've ever heard one. But, no, it's it's certainly a part of it. And, you know, to, to quote Coach Payne again, man, those dudes are on scholarship too at Minnesota. <laughs> They're good right, players. Right. Like yep. Brandon Johnson's a good player. Uh, Marcus Carr, certainly when he's going. And it almost looked like, you know, he was – timid or or hurt or i know len elmore was talking about it a lot on the broadcast but he he certainly was not himself but yeah i I think there's something to be said about that being being ready to play and coming out with that mindset and i'd love to have been a fly on the wall at halftime and listen to what paint said to those dudes man (laughs) i'm sure he uh you've been there and i have too you've been in those locker rooms when when he's got to go out with a halftime switch. Anytime you come out with a halftime switch, you know that locker room speech was special. That's what I like to say. <laughs> hey, hey. So what? So what does what does Painter do differently with the younger team? So with Beeline, when when uh, we had a younger team, his approach was way different when we had expectations. Um, I know Robbie when. When you got to Purdue, you guys were young, but you guys were beasts at the same time. What was Painter's? What was Painter's? Um, what was his approach to you guys then, in comparison to his to you, to the approach junior senior year? Yeah, he he was very patient with us. You know, I, we all had to play early, and and while we played really well in conference play, we did not get off to a good start that year. Um, we lost to Wofford at home. We lost to Iowa State in Las Vegas, who got last in the Big right. 12. Um, we were down 17-0 to Florida International with, like, six minutes to play in the first half. <laughs> so we, like, we weren't, like, clicking on all cylinders. And, and he was really, really patient with the young guys while also, like, you know, doing a lot of teaching. And I want to say we we played you guys – First game – no, yeah, we played you guys' first game in the Big Ten season. We we, we won a close one at Mackey. And we lost at Michigan State, who was one of the better teams in the league. And, and then something just clicked. And, you know, we started kind of – I think Etuan Moore started to get healthy. He'd been kind of banged up from conditioning. and But he, he certainly was, was patient, let us play through our mistakes. And that's a big part of it, right? Like when yeah. you're new, and you know this because you've played at the collegiate level and in the Big Ten and – when you're new and you make a mistake, you get ripped out of the game, boy, your, your confidence, there's no way you're going to be able to, to find your way through that. And when you know you're going to play regardless, you play with some freedom and you gain confidence. That's what happened to us. And I'm sure Coach Beeline was really good at that too because he has a good feel just like Coach Paint does. 
But and by the time we were juniors and seniors, you know, I think a lot of that was was the older guys ran the show. You know, Chris Kramer, Keaton Graham, myself, Etwan, Jawan. Um, we had a lot of guys who had played a ton of basketball games in the Big Ten. So he, it, there was always an accountability. But but I thought as, as young guys, he was really really good with us. Exactly. Um. So like, so like with this with this with this Purdue team, right? So this team is is crazy young, crazy young, and um, it feels like you know Purdue has all the pieces. What is it going to take for them to handle success? Because at Michigan, we didn't do that. You know, we had our 08-09 year. We go back to the tournament for, like, the first time in, like, decades. And one of the biggest wins was at our place where, uh, where you know, we beat you guys. And that, that was, like, one of the wins that was going to, like, lock us in. I think you guys were, like, number 16 or 17 in the country or something like that. We go to the NCAA tournament, go into the round of 32, lose, come back the, the following year, ranked in the preseason top five, top 15. And then it just feels like it just feels like everybody wanted a bigger role. And that's not how it works. You know what I mean? Um, how how is this team seeing how they're coming through and doing well? How are they going to handle this success? Um moving forward with without getting too ahead of themselves or, you know, resting on their laurels? Well, first of all, I think Deshaun Sims and Manny I think Deshaun Sims and Manny Harris are still scoring from that game. Um dudes were literally killing us. Um I think that you have to go through things. You know, and, and Rafael, you can definitely speak to this as well, but like, you know, we had a my freshman year we were really good. My sophomore year we're picked to win the league. Um, and we didn't, and, and we certainly went, we, we were banged up. We had some injuries. I know Kramer missed some time. I, my back got all messed up and, and that certainly delayed our progress. But I always thought throughout my time at Purdue, there were certain games or moments or losses that helped prepare us for, for what really, I think our best year was my junior year when I tore my ACL. Um, you know, we, we got handled by Duke in the big 10 ACC challenge, like, like literally, Across the board, everybody got their ass whipped in their matchup, and, and, and they punked us at Mackey. And I thought that helped us the next year when West Virginia came in. And t- there's two teams in the top seven of the country, and you're playing. But I, I just think that you have to go through those things. And, and, and it's a big – it's a process to be good. You know, Payne always said if it was easy, everybody would do it. Everybody would win the Big Ten. And it, it's certainly not an easy thing to do. But I think that you have to go through some struggles and go through some things and have some – tough learning experiences to, to kind of find your way to being a, a good team. I talked about that with uh, Stu, Stu Douglas about two weeks ago where we just kept going back back and forth about how hard it is to not only win in Division one but, like, the Big Ten. Like, it is so freaking hard. And and, and we had, we had you know, people in there, there's, there's like, yeah, it's, that was easy, da da da. And I'm like, you have to understand, Wisconsin had six days of prep, and they were down by forty at one point. Like, like, like that's how hard it is. And this is a top ten, a legit top ten team. And um, I think from from. 
from my standpoint, what Purdue is doing this year, um, it's not to the level that you guys did it, but it is very similar based on how good the league is top to bottom. Because the league when we were playing wasn't this deep at all. No, my, um, our freshman year, it was honestly bad. Like, yeah. to, to be honest, it was not a, it was a, a very down year um, in the Big Ten. This year, it is, it is a monster. <laughs> it is Ridiculous. a freaking monster. I couldn't imagine it. I couldn't imagine it. Penn State just keeps coming. They just keep coming. And, you know, and they're what, 12th this year? It's, it is, ins- it is an insane, it is an insane Big Ten s- season. Usually, usually you can go through your schedule and be like, you know what? Okay. We have Minnesota at, at home. Okay. That's a, that's a dub. All right. We got, you know, Northwestern. Yeah. yeah they're coming off of this game. You can kind of see your wins, right? And but then you also see your battles coming up as well. This year, there is none of that. Maybe Nebraska, but they have a pro on their team, a six nine dude. So, I mean, you you have a you have legit twelve thirteen teams that you have to you have to come ready to play every single night. Rafael, you gone? <laughs> is is Rafael still uh, there? Can you hear me? Oh yeah, now I can. can you hear me? Me? I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to hijack your deal here, but uh, <laughs> I was no, sure no. Still, I mean, no. I was just taking it in. At the end, no. Than the fans, so I was just taking it in like everybody else. But no, like something you said earlier, uh, a question you asked, kind of how did it? What do you say? No, go no, ahead. but how did this? Gonna... How did this team? How, how did this team? One thing Payne will say because I had a little different experience than Rob. I came in last in the Big Ten, so that next year coming after last in the Big Ten, we had a group of five freshmen. So I was kind of I was kind of the Eric Hunter of this group, in a sense where Payne would always tell those guys after they, Vince Edwards or Isaac Haas or Dakota Mathias after they have a big game. Don't dig, don't get emotionally drunk. Stay even killed. Stay stay <laughs> balanced. Don't get emotionally drunk. Don't jump over the fight. It's, and everybody on this team has a role, and everybody going to win us a game. You know what I mean? So that was something that then that kept the young dudes grounded because one game Isaac may have a good game. One game Vince may have a big one. And, but that kept Dakota ready to where this game may be, may be my game if I just play my role. But not being emotionally drunk was something always big that Pink was always speaking about. But um, because he was talking about just the young, the young team. What do you guys see defensively from young teams? Because Purdue struggles to guard the three. I mean, I, I just think that like all inexperienced teams in college basketball, you, you have just breakdowns. You know, you have guys that just get they they lose track of where their man's at, they lose track of their assignment, and I think that. When you play that many young guys, that's a part of it. You know, it's just something that they're going through and trying to figure out kind of how to to find their way. And I do think they've they've come they've come a good ways. I think a lot of those guys really improved, um, but I, I do think it's just part of the part of the process. It you need all five guys to play defense, and the the speed of the game at the college level is probably the biggest 
the biggest hurdle that I had to deal with, that's that's usually not a factor for like like my former teammate is Ty Lawson. I don't think he had a problem translating to the college level. But you're playing a lot of freshmen in a league with some really good coaches who run good concepts. You have to identify who is a good shooter and who's a great shooter, who is an okay shooter, who's a good shooter. And then you have to make these decisions within a fraction of a second or else it's just too late. You know, you have to understand who you're guarding, where you're guarding, what they're running. And as a freshman, things can go a little bit quick. And if you have two or three freshmen out there, um, the the chances that something bad is going to happen defensively usually happens. But um, but just playing against Painter and their system, um, you guys are on top of everything, I swear. Right you know, I have two, I have I two thoughts on, uh, on Ty Lawson really quick. I, I play with Ty at the Nike All-America camp. This man went for 55 in one of our games. But more impressively, he was the first person I ever saw with a sidekick. Which at the time, instant messenger was the shit. Psychic so everybody was like, this guy, not only is he killing on the court, but it, it, this dude is murdering off it. He's got instant messenger on the go. That's tied for you, man. Because look, at Oak Hill, bro, we had no service up there. So as soon as we left, we used to just get, we used to get on our Verizon or AT&T, whatever it was, and we used to message away. Man, he was he was the sidekick champion. That dude, he was so fast too. <laughs> My God, he was he was fast. All right, Robbie and Rafael, I got a question for you guys. Uh, what is it about what Painter does within that program that that guys get improve as much as they do? You know, I feel like he the, the player development within Purdue is as good as anybody um, in the Big Ten uh, in the country. Just everyone seems to get better uh, year over year when they're in that that program. I feel like paint puts it on your paint puts it a lot on you to get in the gym because uh, he paint was a player. So paint, if you want to play, you got to get in the gym. And that's one thing paint really stresses, but a good staff and our assistant coaches, whenever you ask them to get in the gym, they get in the gym with you. I mean, everybody at Purdue, I think they just want to see you grow. So I think with paint, his, his ideology of you getting in the gym and you earning your own minutes then you being able to ask the assistant coach exactly what you need to work on. But then also our managers, I mean, our, we, I, I, obviously I haven't had any other managers, but I think we have the best managers in the countries. I mean, because when I was there, they were managers, I mean, Brock, Cowan, Cody, wake up five, six in the morning, would come to the gym at midnight if I needed them to. So just that attention to detail and just always having access to the gym is big. What about you, Rock? I think – you know, Coach Painter's experience as a player, playing at Purdue, playing for Gene Cady, playing and coaching with Bruce Weber, th- those are some pretty high-level basketball minds at this level. And I, I just think that, that that certainly is rubbed off on him. But I also think that he just he gets it, man. Like he, he understands how to improve and what it takes to play at this level. And he's hired good assistants. You know, my freshman year, the staff was – you think about it. Conzo Martin – who's now at Missouri, Paul Lusk, who's an assistant at Creighton, but was the head coach at, at Southwest Missouri State, or Missouri State, not Southwest Missouri State, and, and Rick Wright, who is head, head coaching. He was a coach in, in Dowster's favorite league, the SEC, uh, down at Mississippi State, and uh, 
is now at Colorado. So you, you have guys who have gotten to be head coaches because they're, you know, they excel in that assistant role. And I just think that, you know, he, he does, he puts the time in. I think Rayfell's point about the managers, you know, that we had multiple guys that were great about coming in late, shooting with you, um, doing whatever it took to, to help the guys get better. But I, I do think that, that Coach Paints feel um, for just what it takes to, to improve and how to do it and how to, how to play and how to put his guys in positions to be successful in the game. Like, I was never worried as a player with Coach Painter. If I took good shots, I was never going to come out for missing good shots. And once I got older, you know, you certainly earn the freedom to take maybe some not-so-good shots if you've got it going. But he, I think he gives guys freedom to play. And, and that's a, it's a very fun way to play, and it's a very helpful way to play. So I, I just think that he's, he's a, the ultimate player's coach. And he's really done a good job of developing all kinds of players. Bigs, you know, you, you look at who we've had and from Jawan Johnson to Carl Landry um, on to guys like A.J. Hammonds and Isaac Haas. And, and now you've got Travion and, and Zach Eady. Like, he's got a phenomenal track record with that. You talk about four men, you know, I was there. Um, Vince Edwards was there. You talk about guards. You've got Etuan. You've got Carson Edwards. You know, you've got Dakota Mathias now. You, you've got a lot of guys who have had success at Purdue and played in the NBA. And I, I think that Coach Painter just – he's a great basketball mind. But, you know, he's a basketball junkie. Like, I, I stayed with him for, like, six months rehabbing my shoulder uh, when I, I heard it playing in Milan. And he, he was nice enough to let me stay at his house and rehab my shoulder at Purdue, which was great because, you know, obviously it's a lot – less expensive than if I was paying for it myself. So he, this dude, he would come home and he would just watch basketball. Like he, he has a couple, he has like a bar in his basement with a couple of TVs. He just watches hoops. He is a basketball junkie. So I think he's got a great feel for that. I also think he's as good as anybody when it comes to figuring how to put um, his teams in a position to succeed and, and not being married to playing one style. And what I kind of go back to is like, um, I don't. I don't know how much you guys lock into synergy stats or anything like that, but in 2016 to 2017, I believe when when Isaac Haas was there, the two years when they ran everything through uh, through Isaac, like he set the record for the highest uh, level of, of uh, possessions that end with post touches. Um, and like nothing has come anywhere close to it in the database that synergy has, which goes back to like 2010. Uh, and then two years later, when he had Carson Edwards and, and Ryan Klein, they set a Big Ten record for three pointers attempted. So it's like he's, right. he he doesn't get married to playing one way. He kind of figures out what he has on his roster and then builds his style around what he has. And I don't think that's an easy thing to do uh, for coaches. I think he trusts his assistants a lot too. Like he had Greg Gary as an assistant coach who is a phenomenal offensive mind. And he let him – he turned the keys over to him and said, hey, we're, you know, you're like the offensive coordinator. And now he's done the same thing with Micah Shrewsbury. Like, those out-of-bounds plays that, that you saw against Michigan State um, at the end of that game, th those are Coach Shrews. And, and not that Coach Paris doesn't have good out-of-bounds plays, but Micah's got a great feel for that, and he's been with Brad Stevens. And, I mean, shit, those were those were big-time plays. You know, those were those were not, like, just normal screen-for-the-screener type deals. They, they were great plays that got open shots. I think he – 
he delegates to guys because he trusts them, but but he allows his assistants to thrive as well. And for the people listening, that is not common. <laughs> no, <laughs> that that right now, that is not common. So Beeline, he was directly opposite of that. He was opposite of that um, while I was there. And then a year or two later, that's when he started to trust his assistants, allowing them to kind of do their thing and not second-guessing, allowing them to just kind of be their own coach within his philosophy, of course. But, but like, what – what you're saying, people think every coach does that. That is far from the truth. So many coaches are so are so like particular and OCD about how things are done. They do it their way, and then they use the coaches to like make sure it's done their way. You know what I mean? So it's really interesting that you said that because it was pretty much opposite um, when I was at Michigan. It's hard for coaches, man. Like, their names on the – you know, there's not assistant coaches getting their names put in the paper for losing games. <laughs> so, exactly. like, I get it. Like, exactly. it, it's a hard thing. But, you know, they're there. You have to use your assistants. And I think it's just – it's a hard thing for guys to accept at times. Because I do agree with you. It's not the norm. Like, it's not normal with, with guys doing that. Yeah, I wanted to jump in real quick. I would agree playing for uh, Tubby and Coach Patino, that's not normal. <laughs> it's just as simple as that. It's it's not normal at all for a uh, head coach to trust guys like that. I, I wanted to ask real quick, too, Raphael and Robbie, about Painter. I've been intrigued. We just talked about in the last little combo we just had. For the outside looking in, it seems like he just knows how to develop big men or he knows how to put them in a the right position. My old teammate Trevor says uh, Painter's like one of his favorite coaches ever played with. I think Trev played with him in the USA or whatever. But, like, does he do anything different with the bigs? Or how does it always seem like, one, he recruits the right big man, and, two, he just puts him in the right position? I'll start. I, I think that, for one, he's – you know, it's easy for him now because he can point to all these dudes he's coached um, and say, like, look at who I've de- developed, you know, like – and certainly he took the Purdue job and Carl Landers already in the roster. And Carl went on to have like a, a 10 year career in the NBA where he made like, I want to say Carl made like $80 million. He had a great pro career. Um, and that certainly helps because he's, he's got that under his, you know, as a feather under his cap and you recruit Juwan Johnson, you develop him, you put some weight on him um, and some muscle on him. And he was a guy that was really raw. Um, but certainly I think Paul Lusk at the time was the the coach of the bigs. He did a good job with Jawan. Coach Paint did a good job with Jawan. And and then after JJ, you know, just recruiting AJ Hammonds, recruiting Isaac Haas and getting those guys. And and now you've got a pipeline that you can sell to a guy like Zach Eady um, or or Travion Williams or, or Caleb Swanigan, you know, who I left off the list of guys that were really good players earlier. Um, but, yeah, I just think that that track record has helped him. But at the same time, like, Zach Eady was ranked 450th coming into this year's recruiting class. And I'm watching him play, and he's seven foot four, And I'm like, well, either everyone that evaluated him is on drugs or, 
or they just, you know, he's gotten that much better. Mm-hmm. And I have to think it's the second because not everybody could have screwed up that bad. So th- there certainly is credit that needs to be doled out. And now Brandon Brantley is, is the coach that works with the bigs. Brandon played overseas for like 14 years and was a great player at Purdue. So I just think that, you know, Paint's got it down to, like Rob said, he, he plays to his strengths. You know, when, you've, when he's got guards that can go, he, he lets them go. When he's got bigs that can dominate, he throws them the ball. You know, it's not a complicated process, but I think a lot of coaches get married to what they do. You know, my, my team runs the swing or my team runs the Princeton or my team runs the spread. And all those are interesting because I think Wisconsin at times when they've been really talented has gone away from the swing. And I've seen Illinois this year go completely away from the spread. So it's not just a, a Matt Painter, you know, move of going away from from uh, what you know to what is best for your personnel. But I do think that he's done a nice job at, at that as well. And I just think that goes into him being such a player's coach because he he's the type of guy that, I mean, like we spoke about earlier, not only can he look to his coaches, but he can look around a room and kind of figure it out. He's not a guy that's going to go to a just – just because someone averages 30, say he, has, say he has a Carson Edwards, he's averaging 25. He's not afraid to go to Ryan Klein against Tennessee in the Sweet 16. You know what I mean? So he's a guy that can look at his bench, understand who has the high hand, and he'll ride with you. And like we said, like when you say you throw the ball into Isaac every time, paints a guy that keeps it simple. If something works, just keep going until they take it away and then go to your counter. But him being a player's coach, and developing big man has also been something that's helped to recruit and just being a player's coach, being someone that can relate, being someone that's played, being someone that's been able to relate this with like a Carl Landry with that generation, but then also to a, a Carson Edwards generation. But all around, just the, the, the level of honesty paints always kept with everyone has really, really um, put him in this groove I think he's in now. I will say, too, Rafael, I'm surprised that it's taken this long for kind of big-time players to start coming to Purdue. And it certainly right. started with, like, Biggie. But right. just just because off the sheer fact that, like, Coach Painter is a normal person. Like, sometimes mm-hmm. you get around some of these coaches and you're like, man, this is different. <laughs> you know, like, and, and I, I think, just think yeah. Paint's as normal as they come. And I think that, I think, like, the flash of a lot of coaches like that, um, when they were coming around still. I think that was what excited a lot of players. You can kind of see everything. You know what I mean? Like a guy like Paint stands out now because he's not a social media guy. You know, that that makes sense. Yeah, now, I mean, he's, it's he's definitely not where, on that. I, I do think that sometimes his honesty hurts him. Like when he was yeah. recruiting, they had me on a visit, and I was, you know, playing well on the AAU circuit and whatever, and – I had some offers, and, and I visit Purdue, and he didn't offer me the first time I visited. And he, he straight up told me why. He said, I've got an offer out to a kid named Marcus, Marquez Johnson out of Fort Wayne. He's a good player. Mm-hmm. And he ended up committing to Tennessee. And as soon as he did, Coach Payne called me, and he offered me a scholarship. But I appreciated his honesty. You know, whereas I think some guys would, would take offense to that. What do you mean you're not going to offer me just because you've got this offer out to this other kid? And I, I thought it was – you know, admirable. Whereas some guys would be like, "Well, forget Purdue," especially nowadays, for sure. <laughs> especially now, but uh, I do think that uh, you guys have a really good player coming in next year, and Caleb first, and he is going to fill in 
a huge hole that I think is on this team right now. Uh, someone that is going to complement the the uh, bigs nicely. He can hoop. He's really, really good, man. Rayfell Davis' territory. Fort Wayne. We uh we produce we produce some good Purdue players, but no, Caleb is a good one. Caleb is a dog. Caleb, Caleb battles. I think Caleb would come in right now and play at this level. Oh sure. I mean, just because he's aware with all, he knows how to play. He has a high IQ. Goes after it. Like I get what you're saying about someone that can match up post area, but no, I'm excited to see what he does next year. But then also. Also in the future, also with Lawyer Fletcher, another kid out of Fort Wayne coming in. So I mean, but both of those kids in the future, you think of this being more of a free year? I mean, Eric Hunter and Travion essentially could be juniors again next year. So I mean, I mean, this could be real exciting going forward. Lawyer's the kid from Clarkston, right? No, no, no. Lawyer's a uh, no. Lawyer's from Lawyer's a junior right now, so he's a he's a pretty from Fort Wayne as well. I'll just mention a couple oh, Fort Wayne guys. Wait, wait, wait. Fletcher Lawyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. So he's from Clarkston, Michigan. Is oh, and is he? he uh, and his brother is a junior at Michigan State right now. Yeah, exactly. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, yep. okay, 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 okay. Yeah, Fletcher's nice, man. He's like six five. He's like he six five. It. His he brother's about like five ten. But yep. man, Fletcher Lawyer, that dude can light it up. He can light he it up. He should piss off the ball. He can. He shot. He had fifty. I think he had fifty a few games ago. He doesn't I mean, miss. Yeah, and he can handle the ball too. Yeah, and Pace been <laughs> yeah. able to get Pace been able to get those guys like that guy. Like he's been able to get those like a guy like him, a guy like Dakota, a guy like uh, Ethan this year. Even though he's been dealing with Mono, those guys that maybe aren't maybe maybe a three star, but I mean they turn out to be unbelievable players. So yeah, oh, I'm very. I, I watched that kid. I watched the kid work out a couple of weeks ago here in Fort Wayne. And I mean that kid can. I mean he can really shoot the ball. He's gonna be a good one, man. He's gonna be a real good one. Rayfell, did you did you abandon ATL? Are you out of Atlanta? No, I'm still in Atlanta. I'm just back and forth because you know I do. Um, I do now. I'm not with Lily anymore, so now I'm doing camps and clinics, and I do training. So now I'm back and forth on the freeway, back and forth, far away into Atlanta. I'm running a nonprofit. Yeah, uh, you're on that jet life. I respect that. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, trying to make it happen. There you go. <laughs> But no, I appreciate everybody joining us tonight. I mean, everybody checking in after the game. We hope to do this after every game. And we had a lot of people come in and give opinions. I just wanna if anybody has anything to say before we get out of here, I'm excited for the rest of the season. Uh, it was a big win tonight. Hopefully we get get into the rankings coming into this next week. But if nobody has hey, anything, I did I did have one ahead. more thing I wanted to ask a few of you guys. But someone asked me on this last room. How do y'all feel like home court advantage is playing right now? Is there any type of advantage? Because the Gophers' uh, uh, way record sucks, so that's why the conversation keeps coming up. Do you think there's any advantage with no fans? You know what I mean? I know Purdue sucks to play at. Y'all gym is weird, but, like, what is it? Like, is there is there any type of home court advantage, I guess, for any teams this year? Does that matter, y'all think? I think you always more comfortable at home. I mean, even just the, the sense of, I mean, you sleeping in your bed more than likely the night before or whatever. That kind of makes you more you're not, Rayfell. <laughs> now you're at the shitty hotel they make us stay in. I was just <laughs> no, no, you're right, but I, I don't know. I would say uh, 
you don't really – I don't – I mean, I'm one of those people, I mean, I grew up playing at the park. And if you need fans to get you going, I mean, what you really doing? So, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I couldn't speak to it. I mean, I don't think it's, like, the fans, but, like, you still have that routine where you go to practice, after practice, got to run and shower, get on the bus, your food is waiting for you, got to drive directly to the – uh, uh, to the uh, charter jet. You get on the jet. You fly two hours somewhere. You don't know where you're going. You land, and then you gotta still go through all that stuff. You you are still away somewhere, and then it'll suck even more if you have to play at like seven o'clock on a Saturday, because now you're in this hotel. All day long, and sometimes Beeline used to have us walk for a mile outside in the middle of the day just to get us going. And some of those games were at Wisconsin or at Illinois in January, so we're trekking through like two feet of snow. So it's uh, away from home is away from home, and uh, and I do think it's it is a it is a big deal, and I think no fans almost allows you to, to communicate better, at least on the court. But, I mean, outside of that, I mean, you know, you are away from home. And you do have a, a different routine than if you were at home playing. Yeah, I agree with that. Yep. Hey, I have one question for Ant and Robbie, too, before we wrap. So, you guys talked about how strong the Big Ten is this year. And I think a lot of the strength of the conference right now is how deep the conference is. Like the bottom end teams, like Maryland, is so much better than what you're used to seeing, like the 12th, 13th best team in the Big Ten looking like. How do you feel like the top of the conference compares to your era when you guys were playing? I, I think that, you know, the top, if you look at Michigan and Iowa, and I'll, I'll compare it to like my junior year. You know, the best teams in the Big Ten would have – the three teams that won the Big Ten would have been us, and our starting lineup would have been Juwan Johnson, myself, Chris Kramer, Etwan Moore, Keaton Grant with Lewis Jackson coming off the bench, DJ Bird, Ryan Smith, Kelsey Barlow. So, like, that was our team. Michigan State was Kalen Lucas, Darrell Summers, Draymond Green, Raymar Morgan. Um, who were they? Oh, Delvon Rowe. Um, so they obviously, they had, they'd gone to the final four the year before they, they were loaded. Ohio state had their roster with Evan Turner and then like David Lighty, um, William Buford, John Diebler, Dallas Lauderdale. So they were really good too. I, I think that like, if, if those three teams were to play, you know, Michigan and Iowa and Illinois this year, I think they'd be highly competitive games. I, I think that they're right on par I don't think that our era is way better than them, and I don't think that their era is way better than us. And that's just my opinion. I, I think super highly of Michigan, and I think super highly of Iowa and Illinois. Um, but I, I do think that the, those teams are, are comparable to me. I agree with that. I agree with that. And I think the 2012-2013 year in the, in the Big Ten um, was also ridiculous. Yeah, that year was crazy. That was my freshman year. 
That was a yo. Welcome yeah. to the Big Ten, my guy. That year was sick. <laughs> that, that's like the Trey Burke Michigan team that goes to the yeah. Football. That was the Trey yeah. Burke yeah. Michigan With team. different like, type of year. And that was the year they shared the Big Ten. Yeah, they shared it. I think they shared the Big Ten. No, Indiana was there too. Don't sleep on Indiana. They had like six pros and didn't even share the title. Crazy man. That year was nuts. Indiana was nuts. Ohio Indiana State. Indiana beat us by. I think Indiana beat us by forty at home. Raphael, it, it felt Raphael. like it probably wasn't forty, but it felt like forty. Raphael, I think you're technically my year. Actually, somebody just asked me what was the best team then you played for them four years in the Big Ten because Michigan, Michigan the best State, team I played Indiana. Against? Yeah, yeah. Um, the best team I played against would have been Big uh, Ten. Big Ten. Fresh, my freshman year, Indiana. Yeah, overall Big Ten didn't matter. Indiana's my freshman year. Oladipo were, uh, them? Yeah, Oladipo, Cody, Wofford. They just felt like playing Indy 500. I mean, but Michigan State that year, too. I mean, with Derek Nix. Uh, I mean, they had Gary Harris. That was his freshman year. Keith Appling. I mean, I mean, but we almost beat – I feel like Michigan was good that whole entire year. But each game we played Michigan, I feel like we, we lost on a buzzer beater at home. That we were winning by, I think, three when they were number two in the country at half. So, I mean, I would say IU that year. And I am – I'm far enough removed to admit this so I can say it. So, I went into every game thinking that we had a chance. Like, I didn't care who it was that I thought we had a chance. The one, the one game, the one team where I just felt that we were just way too outclassed and I just felt that, like, even before the game, we're like, I was just like, this is just not it. Remember Indiana with like, with like Eric Gordon's first year, and how could I forget DJ White? DJ White, and they felt they fell apart after Samson got fired, and I think Dockage took over his day. (laughs) Hey, but then that Gopher game did not go well, and there was certainly some problems. But like Jordan Crawford was, I mean, they were. They had some beasts, dude. They they had some it's really so Arm, Armand Bassett could really hoop. Like they, they had some dogs. Man, that team was crazy. That team yeah. was crazy, man. That team was crazy. I will say man. we we played down at, at Assembly Hall my uh my freshman year against that team and, and Jawan Johnson and Nemia Chalice are getting foul trouble. So I had to guard DJ White. And I'm a freshman, man. I, I weigh probably 195 pounds. <laughs> This dude is throwing me around the lane like a rag doll. I mean, he was the Big Ten Player of the Year. He he was an absolute monster. People don't – I think he kind of flies under the radar a little bit in terms of really good bigs that have played in the Big Ten in the last, you know, 15 years. But, God, I, I was like, oh, my goodness, this league, I, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure if this is for me. At least he was a man. Not. That dude was a grown man. That dude was a grown man. Woo-wee. Oh. No, they, they had a squad. They, they were really good. They, they were really good. You're like, maybe not, like, the best team, but, like, individual talent. Like, man, like, they like they won games just because of what the individuals could, like, do with the Rock. You know what I mean? And I'm then, trying to think, what was my man's name? He played the three for them. He was like super talented. Um, 
Jamarcus Ellis. He was nice. He he could hoop. He he was a good player. And they brought like DeAndre Thomas off the bench. <laughs> yeah, <Big> DeAndre. <laughs> that dude was like three hundred pounds, six eight. Yeah, yeah. Looked like a <laughs> but like he a had good feet, tackle. Though. He had good feet. Yeah, Those are the worst no. guys to like hoop against, man. Those like big dudes with really good lateral movement. Yeah, you know who was like that, and actually he could have played on our team at Purdue is K1 Short. K1 played with Etwan Moore at East Chicago, and he's had a great career in the NFL. But he he was good enough at his size at like six five. He could have been one of those bigs where he's just like enormous, and but he can move. Like his footwork is great. He he's light on his feet. I've seen K1 drop step dunk at like three fifteen. You know, that's that's so impressive, dude. <laughs> oh man. Man, I appreciate everybody tuning in tonight, man. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Ant, Rob, Jerry, Kendall, Greg, Rob, I appreciate y'all giving y'all opinions. To everybody out there, make sure you guys subscribe to the Boiler of Rayfield Davis podcast. We drop twice weekly. We do a, we do our own podcast live weekly, but then we also have our after-game show. Make sure you guys tune into this weekly so we can definitely keep this going. Boiler up. Sweet. Thanks, guys. See ya. Appreciate you, Rob. See ya. Thanks, Ann. Bye, guys.